Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. We get asked all the time about everything in regards to business, but specifically in regards to content and how much should be free versus paid, what platforms you should be using, and like all the nitty gritty details that go into planning and creating and pushing out content. Especially when you're like transitioning from services to digital offerings. It's kind of like... Or like teaching what you know. Right. You're like, what do I start with first and what makes sense? (laughs) And so we just got this question. It was super beefy from one of our students in our signature program, who's basically like having the same thought process that a lot of you do, right? Mm -hmm. Should I have a free group or a paid group or multiple groups or host my courses or wait to sell until everything is ready. And what about how much free content, but there is really great engagement, but do I focus on getting more people in there? (laughs) And it's just like the constant journey of all of the questions, because quite honestly, there are truly so many different ways you could take it. And so I think that we overwhelm ourselves. For sure. For sure. So first of all, I want to just like give you permission to do less in general. If you feel like you're doing too much, it's probably because you're doing too much. And if you feel like you're overcomplicating it, you are. (laughs) And so I'll tell you this. I'm still a firm believer because we've talked about it, that if you are running strictly a service-based business and you have not yet created consistent income for your business, then creating content is a massive distraction and it takes time away from you selling. So if that is you and you don't have consistent income in that five to $8,000 a month range, then you got some work to do. So if you've passed the mark where you're making close to or over six figures and you're thinking about offering something else, then I'll let you listen. Because here's the thing. I was literally having a conversation with someone the other day and she was like, okay, so I've already made six figures in my business. I've already started 
hiring people to kind of replicate what it is that I'm doing. What do I do now? And I said, you know what, there's really, in my mind, two main ways you can go forward in terms of next steps. One, you either create an agency model, take yourself out of the work, hire people to do the work, and you just scale from there by adding more people. Or B, you do over time less of what you're doing now, but transition to teaching other people how to do what it is that you do, whether that's a piece of what you do, all of what you do, direct to consumer, B2B. I mean, it could literally be anything, but some form of teaching. I'm sure there's a million and one other things you could do, but in my mind, those are the two logical next steps. So this is really going to speak more to the person who is at a point where they're wanting to scale and they're thinking, okay, I think I need to create some sort of knowledge business and sell what it is that I know, whether that's teaching someone to do exactly what I do, teaching other people how to run businesses like I run my business, whatever. Um, This is where content becomes important in my mind, because you have to indoctrinate people into your way of thinking. Um, And the best and quickest and fastest way to do that is with creating consistent content. But then there's 5 million platforms you could do it on and a bunch of different ways you could present that content. Like how do you pick and choose what's going to work for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that Back in the day, we kind of followed the trend of what a lot of people were doing and created free content in the form of blog posts and pen to Pinterest. And then we would do webinars and then hosted our courses. You guys have heard that journey before on various different platforms until we figured out where we wanted to live. And so I feel like a lot of you maybe figure that out, right? You were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Facebook groups or Slack channels teachable or Udemy or Thinkific or whatever, like you'll pick your poison. They all have pros and cons, but then you're still kind of left with like, okay, but like, what about content and how do I engage people and like put out the right amount of stuff? And when do I start selling and when do I create more? And it's just kind of like sit and wait game. Like once you kind of figure out your logistics of like, okay, but what is, how does this keep continuing to work and finding that balance of, how do I not get burnt out and overwhelmed and exhausted, but also like keep my audience engaged? Right. And so I think in the same vein that I would tell someone just starting out to sell one thing one way, consistently using one kind of mechanism to sell, I would tell you the exact same thing when you're changing what it is that you're selling. You just may use a different method referrals may not make sense when you're selling a course that you want to sell hundreds or thousands of. And that's fine. You just have to change your mechanism. And so I would strongly urge you not to pick more than one for at least six months to a year, because you're going to end up repeating a lot of the same content across the board, which is fine, but you're going to have a hard time growing any of them because your focus is divided. And so I'd rather you pick a platform and run with it. And honestly, I, I could give you pros and cons for any of them. I honestly don't think there's any wrong answer right now in terms of like the big ones that people are talking about, like Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, they all have amazing parts and they all suck in various ways. 
But if you go all in on one and you, you will see results, if you really focus, I think where it gets muddled is when you're like <sighs> trying to grow an Instagram to push them over to a Facebook group to get a bunch of people in this Facebook group that are kind of sort of hanging out and then like, let's turn them into a paid group and then and then upsell them into this course, upsell them into this other course. Like, whoa, dog, you need to slow <laughs> down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we started and we kept it super simple. So like, and we've mentioned this before, right? When you're just starting out in a new venture of pivoting, especially into courses or educational content, you look at what other key players in the business are doing, right? Oh, well, they have a podcast and a blog and a YouTube channel and this, that, and the other. So you feel the pressure to have all the things. But need I remind you, when we first started with our one course, that cost $47. We focused solely on webinar to pitch inside the course. Webinar to pitch inside the course. We did offer a paid Facebook group for those students. And then after a while, we had like our bigger free fa uh, Facebook group. But we relied pretty much mostly on Instagram posts to talk about our webinars. And we would get a lot of our signups directly from Instagram for webinars where we would pitch to our course, we would welcome new people in, get them into the paid group, blah, blah, blah. And like, even in retrospect, looking back on how we're even doing stuff differently today, I don't even feel like we utilized our big Facebook group, like as much as we should have for the type of content that we were creating inside of our paid groups. Like the way that we're being super niche and specific now in some of our smaller groups, like Honestly, like I, I can just imagine what that would have done for us three years ago. Right. And not to mention like every platform is going to change over time. Right. And so say your poison was Instagram. The advice I would have given you two years ago on how to use that platform mm -hmm. would be totally different. So unless you're listening to this, like within the next 30 to 90 days, right. like what I say about Instagram is going to be irrelevant the point is picking a platform that's relevant today and using it over and over and over again to send them down one sales path to one product. Honestly, I will tell you straight up that we got so distracted making other products. And I think part of it was that we simply didn't know what would stick. We didn't know what we wanted to be talking about full time. And our signature program today, we couldn't have developed any earlier than we did develop it. Mm -hmm. So I get that you're going to have to try some stuff and then not love it and move on. But if I can get you to at least focus on the thing, even if you don't love it, at least focus on it for six months mm -hmm. before you trash it and try to sell something new. Because I think at the end of the day, and like, this is the lesson, like we're still learning and had to learn. So I mean this with like, like I'm saying this to the mirror practically. I feel like you have to ask yourself, am I wanting to create just for the sake of creating? Because creating is fun, truly. And it fuels me awesome. And I can probably get some results from bouncing around and doing a couple different things here and there. Yes. Cool. Or am I creating a business, like a legacy inducing business. And a friend of ours, and I'm not going to name names just because of whatever, but a friend of ours was talking to us about, you know, something that they were going through very similar where they had created 
content and a program and a following around one topic. And they were getting kind of bored of that topic because that naturally happens after you kind of talk about the same thing for a couple of years. It can happen way sooner than that. It could be two weeks and you can be bored. Yeah. And it happened for us within a couple of months. So yeah. And so this person had stuck it out for a lot longer than even we had. And they were wanting to kind of abandon the, the niche that they had carved out for themselves. And so I didn't know them well enough at the time to kind of voice my opinion. But luckily, people even much smarter than me came into the picture and kind of were like, you know, you're sick of talking about the topic that's made you a shit ton of money. You're sick of talking about the topic that's built you this cult-like following, these amazing people who love you and support you and are helping you like live your dreams. Like you're really sick of that, like tough titty. And so I think it was this like awareness of it's like, oh, like, yes, let's love what we do and let's maybe restructure what our actual job and role is if we're getting bored or stuck or overwhelmed or tired. At the end of the day, if we're in a service, and education is still a service, it's not about us anymore. And if we're continuing to serve people and they love it, and like this is the thing that's been providing for our family, like you've got to kind of get some focus in the game. Yeah. I mean, you have to. So I don't think there's a wrong answer in terms of the marketing piece and the sales piece, because these things will constantly change. Mm-hmm. Like for me right now, I am all hopped up on these more intimate niche Facebook groups into selling into an evergreen funnel. But do I think that will work for everyone out of the gate? No. So like me deciding for you what your mechanism should be isn't important. But honestly, I don't think there's a wrong answer either. You can really make any of them work Mm -hmm. if you're willing to do them long enough to see results or willing to work on it enough. Well, I also think like we need to really just be asking ourselves different and better questions when we're approaching this, this overwhelming state of should I do this or should I do that? A common theme of the question that we're talking about not only came from the original poster, but a couple of other people of our students who commented on the thread. And one of the common themes was like, yeah, I'm kind of in this situation too. I started a free group. So like whether that's on Slack or Facebook or whatever, but I want to start creating courses and content and launch it, whether it be a membership or a course or whatever. And so I will have a paid group for those students. So then I'm thinking about shutting down the free group because I'm spending a lot of my time in there. I'm offering a lot of content. I don't know if I'm offering too much, et cetera. And I think obviously there have been plenty of people who've started free communities and then shut them down when they didn't serve them. Absolutely. We've talked about that a lot of times when it was like Facebook group gate last year (laughs) when everyone was leaving. But I think that we forget the purpose of free content, nurturing and active engagement. And when I say that, I mean, not only forgetting the purpose, but also that we're in charge of organizing that. And we're in charge of setting the boundaries on that. We're in charge of structuring it, making it serve us, right? There are so many platforms out there, regardless of what your medium is of free content that you create to serve other people. And that's great. I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to be thinking about how it connects to all of our people. But how is that actual avenue tying back into your ROI? Oftentimes, like there's hidden ROI there that we're not acknowledging because something feels like it takes too much of our time or we're putting too much stuff out there. But if we take that huge piece away, what are the actual effects in your sales, in your nurturing, in your awareness, in your engagement, all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think with this specific person's 
role. I think they're just overwhelmed by the thought of now I'm opening something that's paid. Yeah. Well, I think the reason they specifically are overwhelmed is they're talking about a membership plus four to five online courses. I don't think anyone should have that many paid offerings. And maybe they're are four to five things that you need to touch on in one course Mm -hmm. or in one paid community. And I think if you can lessen the load there, maybe they're long-term visions. Put some stuff on the shelf. You would be surprised if you are willing to sit on an idea for six months and you still love it, then there's something there. But if three weeks from now, you're not jazzed about it, then you probably are going to be super glad you haven't spent any time on it yet. Be willing to shelf ideas. And I know hands down that the five ideas that are coming out of her brain right now, because I've been here, are from your brain and not your audience's brain. They're not Mm -hmm. from what you're learning and listening and actually seeing a hole that's needing to be filled within your current student body or your future students. And I say this because like, we still do this and I'm, I'm still learning on how to get better at filtering out what seems fun and what I deem as valuable versus what actual paying customers are going to deem as valuable. And that's a lesson that we constantly need to be honing and, or a skill that we need to be honing and, and lesson we need to keep learning because as ourselves, as an example of having shelved so many things that we spent so much time and energy creating. If we had just asked different questions or if we had stuck with something longer before getting distracted with something else or whatever it may be, I think that there would be even greater simplicity today. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. When you actually are willing to step back and listen, you would be surprised what will happen. I'll give you an example. So some of you know I have a second business. Some of you don't. And that's fine. You don't need to know unless unless it's for you. But I have grown that business pretty organically. I mean, I started from zero just like the rest of you. I started with zero followers on Instagram and I decided... I was going to push people through my own version of a funnel. And it was going to be as simple as sharing my life and lifestyle on Instagram, pushing people to a Facebook group so I had proper leads, and then selling them my products. I literally... I'd have to look today. I have like 2,200 followers on Instagram, which a lot of people would be like, okay, so convert 10% of those people to a Facebook group. No, I have 700 people in my Facebook group and over 200 of them have purchased at least once from me. There's so much possibility in small numbers Mm -hmm. if you're willing to do it one way and continue talking about the same thing. I've talked about this liver detox for (laughs) going on six months. I'm sure some people are tired of hearing about it. I've talked about my meal plans literally every week since the beginning of the year. But because I have done those things and have been consistent with those things, I have people that are in the same business as I am sending me leads because they like the way I talk about my stuff better. First of all, they need to check themselves on that. (laughs) Second of all, like if you just are really good at sharing what people actually want to hear and what's actually going to help them accomplish whatever you're trying to help them with, people will stand up and listen all day long and you can blow all the industry standard numbers out of the water if you want to. It's totally possible if you're willing to focus and if you're willing to like get down into it. I would urge you to kind of go through a process because I'm going to guess that most of you who are listening at this point, probably you've made a good chunk of money. You're wanting to do something a little bit different. You continue to make the majority of your money from the thing you are trying to get away from. So what has worked? If you've started to sell this new thing you want to sell, what mechanism has helped you sell it 
the fastest, the easiest, what's been the most comfortable, what takes the least amount of time, Mm -hmm. where are you getting the most traction? To sit here and say, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to get 10,000 followers over there and I'm going to grow my Instagram simultaneously so they see my lifestyle every single day and then I'm going to have this Facebook group with so much value and it's going to have all these posts that really make them think about their lives. No one has time for that. I don't have time for that and I have a team of people that can help me with that and I still don't have time for that. Yeah, I think that... There's been another theme in here that I want to address. You know, it's been brought up a lot, but about do I wait until everything is made until I launch everything? Do I wait until, you know, a certain amount of people go through my beta program before I decide to open up this membership of this, that, or the other? And we talked about this before, probably two years ago on the show where we did break down like our process of our first course and how we went about that. I still believe that what we did back then, like, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And we launched before we had made anything and got people interested in buying, literally like they bought the thing before we made it. And I still very much believe in that philosophy, like 100%. I think there's so much you could learn once you're getting students in your door. And if you're creating content in a more like, like a slower way to get feedback, hear those questions, hear their roadblocks. So it can tweak the content that's coming out after that 100%. I believe that you should be paid to do that. And so set up those pre-launches, do that work. I also feel like, you know, a huge lesson that I've learned this year, there's so much gold (laughs) in the work that you're doing before you actually launch your thing to familiarize yourself with the needs of your audience, to ask better questions, to get in front of people who are going to say yes and and buy sooner, um, and to get yourself on a solid foundation. I would rather you spend like 10% of the time making your actual thing and way more of that time asking really, really good questions and like hopping on the phone with people and really building connections on what that content should be in order to serve them best. Yeah. The pre-validation process is so important. And there's nothing to say that you can't get paid during the pre-validation process. It puts more pressure on you creating the things sooner. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want you to get stuck in that process and use it as an excuse for not moving forward. But Mm -hmm. I will say, if you're willing to go through the uncomfortable time of asking all the questions and basically producing free content to test if -hmm. it's even something people want or will react to, There's a lot of value there because what you ultimately push out could be completely different than what you originally thought of or talked about. Mm -hmm. And once you get to actually making it, you have honed your message so much and talked about it in so many ways already that you're better at explaining everything at this point because you've actually had practice explaining bits and pieces of it along the way that I think it makes you a better teacher. Because if I had just said, okay, I'm going to make a course on this, I'm going to go record this lesson covering this topic. Unless I had all this feedback about people ask me questions about, well, what if this happens? Or What if I do this and this is the reaction I get? I couldn't have built that into my product to serve Mm -hmm. them in a better way. Because now 
we're working on creating stuff. We're just getting way more in the trenches, I feel like, with our students into what they actually need versus what sounds sexy and fun. 100%. And what's funny and a mini lesson that I've learned within that lesson is that what people originally say that they want you to create for them, I want you to also sit on that. And like, listen and try. It is our job to read between the lines and ask deeper questions, dig a little bit deeper and truly understand if you're asking for this, why do you want that? What is it going to do for you? What results do you want it to get for you? If you have this, like, what does that actually mean for your life, your business, your health, whatever it is? Because there are plenty of things that have been suggested to us over the years and months of developing programs where we're like, oh yeah, sure, we can add that, no problem. But then when it comes to adding it, it's our job to filter out the fluff for you guys. And it's our job to be like, you know, they say that they want this and it would be sexy and easy for us to give it to them, but it's actually distracting. And it's really actually going to hold them back. It's not going to give them the results that they think it's going to give them. So we're not going to provide it with good reason. It's our job as educators, as the experts, as people who've been down this path, just like it is your job. If you're heading down the route of teaching what you know, it's your job to be that filter for your students, not the other way around. Yeah, you have to be willing to go through some uncomfortableness with that. I'll tell you right off, it would be so easy to do the thing that like comes to you in a moment of clarity. (laughs) You know what I mean? That shower moment, the like, I woke up from a nap, maybe not a nap, who naps? I woke up from not enough sleep and I had this thought, you know, this, this is it. It might be the spark of an idea, but if you just do that, it may not sell. And Mm -hmm. I want you to have something that's going to sell and sell well and keep selling and evolve with you. Yeah. I think what happens is ideally when you're starting to pivot and you're going from services or whatever your, your current thing is to offering education or courses, like we keep talking about in this realm, you're doing it because you've, you've seen a hole, right? You're doing it because people in your audience are asking you questions or competitors are asking you questions or whatever it may be. Right. And you're like, Oh, here's something. And so probably that for that first idea, maybe you've had six months or a year of sitting on it thinking on it, paying attention, reading, asking questions, whatever. So that first kind of ball rolling goes great, right? Or like does exactly what you expected it to do. So then it's when we add stuff onto that, that we need to just like pump the brakes a little bit. Because if you remind yourself that, you know, did it take you a year and a half to transition out of clients full time to even be able to create the idea in the space of having an education part of your business? Okay, then let's take a minute and not create something new every two weeks. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have to pause on the whole thing. I'm not saying don't do it. I love teaching. It is like easily one of my favorite parts of my life, just being able to bless people in a way that's tangible. Like it's nice to make people smile and make them feel good. But like when they go out and they actually can become more financially free, oh my gosh, it gives me the biggest high of my life. And so Mm -hmm. I totally get your desire to want to teach and help people in some form or fashion. But I want you to do it in a way that's sustainable and allows you to keep doing it rather than feeling like you have to throw things at the wall to attempt to make money because now your service business is falling apart because you're spending all this time thinking about this other business. It's not really running yet. 
it can be really distracting. And mm-hmm. so like, I want you to do the right thing. Like looking back, I know Emily was so over it, but I would have stayed doing services much longer than I did personally. Yeah, it's hard for me to answer that because I understand so strongly that desire of just being like, all right, let's let's move on to something else because my mind is already made up, I'm burnt out, I'm over it, blah, blah, blah. And that that's a lot of just my personality. And so if if you're if you have that same personality, it's legitimately physically hard to keep going. But like Abby was kind of talking about at the beginning, I think there that there were a lot of options for us. There there could have been different ways we could have structured structured our packages or just gotten retainer clients. So then it opened up consistent income, but then time freedom to explore other things or whatever it may be. And so I want you to have, I want you to know that you have options. You have so many options. And I know that that's, that's one of the biggest things and reasons why you're holding yourself back because Mm -hmm. there are so many options, but the exact methods that you choose aren't where you're going to go wrong. If you have a paid group and a free group or give this content or host a webinar or do a challenge or have memberships or do a course, it's not those decisions that are going to be wrong for you. It's the part where you're making stuff for you instead of people who are actually ready and wanting it. And I think that that's a really clear fine line that a lot of us need to learn how to get to the other side of in order to actually keep the success going. Well, in terms of like success, I also want you to go into this with an open mind of what success could mean for you. Because I think sometimes people put in our own heads what they think success is. And now all of a sudden we're trying to reach other people's success levels. And that may not be what we want. Mm -hmm. Some people have no desire to be Taylor Swift famous. And some people will do literally everything in their power to continue to move up the ladder. And that's fine. What do you actually want? I I think a lot of it goes back to money and time because those are the two things that impact your life the most. I mean, you have a limited quantity of time always that is fleeting and going away constantly. And money, it's just how the world operates. The more you have, the more things you have access to. Is there a threshold in which you would feel so comfortable and that's what you're searching for? Or are you already comfortable and you're just bored? Because Mm -hmm. if that's the case, then don't overcomplicate your business (laughs) trying to just Mm -hmm. fill up space. If you're Mm -hmm. just bored and you don't actually need to be making more money, then then like what's going to actually make you happy? I've made the mistake more than once where I've tried to make my business fill a void that was actually personal. And it wasn't personal in the sense of like, it's private. No, it was like, no, Abby, you just don't feel creative right now. That doesn't necessarily mean your business needs to change. It maybe means you need to go take a walk or you need to, I mean, find something that makes you happy, get your hands dirty, do a craft, whatever, get re-inspired. I think Emily and I spent a whole summer trying to get creative again. But if that's the case then you creating a membership in five courses may be a total disaster waiting to happen. Just get clear on what it is that you actually want. If you want to continue to grow and become a massive business, I know Emily and I had to sit down a couple times and be like, are we reaching for a million dollars for the wrong reasons in our business? Is it just because it's a fun number and not because that's not something we want or need or whatever? Right. But for you, it may be 
150,000 is that number. And are you just reaching for it because it's round and you're slightly OCD like the rest of us? It all goes back to regardless of where you're at in your business, one thing that you're selling using one marketing mechanism, using one sales mechanism for at least six months before you make any changes or add to it. Follow that. Regardless. And then do more work before you put something out there. For the love, do not ever create something in full before you sell it. Literally ever. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.